I think it's important that uh, we as responsible and inclusive organization not just put the onus on women themselves to to bring the best versions of themselves to work instead it's equally important that we take responsibility to also create the right environment uh, for them where um, every woman feels encouraged feels motivated every day at work and also they receive the necessary guidance the necessary support that helps them to deliver at, at their best Welcome to Open SAP Invites Thought Leaders. Your invitation to learn with us on the go. Welcome to a special Thought Leaders episode with Sindhu Gangadharan, Senior Vice President of the SAP User Enablement Unit and Managing Director of SAP Labs India. Sindhu talks to us about her own career in technology, shares what it was like to grow up in Bangalore, and explains why it's important we follow our own dreams and inspire and support others by revolutionizing the world around us. It's all about providing equal opportunities, equal encouragement, and an equal voice to be heard. I'm your host, Elizabeth Riemann. Let me introduce you to Sindhu Gangad Aran. As a senior vice president, Sindhu Gangadharan leads the SAP User Enablement Unit and is the managing director of SAP Labs in India, a leading hub for innovation and a hotspot for talent and diversity. Sindhu joined SAP in 1999 when SAP Labs India set up its operations in Bangalore and she later moved to SAP headquarters in Waldorf, Germany. She's worked on various products, technology and innovation platforms, and held several strategic and leadership positions managing global teams. In January 2021, Cindy was appointed to the board of directors at Utah-based Qualtrics International Inc., the global pioneer of the experience management software category. She also serves on the board of Titan Company Limited as an independent director with a focus on technology. Cindy is a member of the NASCOM Executive Council, the apex industry body for the IT-IT-enabled services in India. She's also a member of the steering committee of the Indo-German Chamber of Commerce, an industry body driving the bilateral trade and deliberations. In March 2021, Cindy was appointed to the advisory board of Reloop by SAP. As a respected thought leader, Cindy is a regular speaker at conferences. She's a passionate advocate of using technology to benefit customers and society, workplace diversity and inclusion. Sindhu currently resides in Bangalore with her husband and their two daughters. Let's say hello. Hello, Sindhu. Welcome to Open SAP Invite Thought Leaders. Thank you so much, Lizzie, for having me here. It's a pleasure to have you with us here today. Sindhu, it's really great that we have the opportunity to learn from your personal experiences about how to inspire and empower equality in the field of technology. And while this is the focus of our conversation today, I feel at the beginning it's important to say, Sindhu, that the special leadership qualities that you personally embody, your energy, your drive, and your passion to help and to uplift others really makes you a truly inspirational thought leader and a role model for us all. And that's completely regardless of our gender, age, or chosen career path. 
So I'd like to start our conversation today with a warm-up question. And Sindhu, as you know, at SAP, we benefit greatly from our diverse cultural backgrounds and experiences. And you grew up and began your SAP career in Bangalore, India, before moving to work at SAP headquarters in Waldorf, Germany, where you stayed for 18 years before returning to Bangalore. So I'd like to know, how has the city of Bangalore or Bengaluru shaped you and inspired your own life choices? Thank you so much uh, for the question. Bangalore is, and uh, I have to say, always will be special to me. I was born and, and raised in Bangalore. I spent my entire childhood in the city, uh, which I have to say was obviously a lot more greener at that point in time as it is uh, today. And I also did my schooling and, and graduation in Bangalore and was extremely fortunate to have some, some great friends whom I continue to meet uh, to this day. So very, very fond memories of the place. And it was around the time of my final years in school that Bangalore also saw itself at the cusp of a technology revolution, if you may will, uh, in India. And um, yes, the charming neighborhoods and the pleasant weather of Bangalore definitely did attract major IT companies and other multinationals, including SAP, to set up their base and also expand their workforce in the city. And over the next few years, um, I have to say the serene and calm Bangalore that we all knew fast transformed into the Silicon Valley of India. And all these developments def definitely had an impact on how I saw my career shaping and to a large extent also influenced my choices at that point in time. Now, when SAP Labs India set up base in, in Bangalore, I was among the first few engineers to be hired there. And uh, though the brand SAP was quite big worldwide, specifically in, in Europe, it was still at a very nascent stage uh, in, in Asia or in India particularly. Uh, so I'm very fortunate that I pretty much started off my career with SAP and continue to be a part of this uh, glorious company 22 years later. So yes, Bangalore definitely has played a major and a very special role uh, in my journey um, so far. And this is where it all started. And I'm really glad I received this opportunity also to move back here from Waldorf back in 2019 uh, to lead SAP Labs here in India. So it's such a humbling uh, opportunity to lead also the same place where you started off as a young developer. Uh, so yes, very grateful for this opportunity. I have to say God has been kind. Um, and I hope that answers your question, uh, Lizzie. It's a beautiful answer. And I can only say that it's amazing just to hear you talk about your home city of Bangalore and what you really love about the city yourself and how it's changed over the years. And I think it really, you know, it has a big influence where you come from, your life outlook and everything. And it's just a really special city, a really special place and really wonderful to hear you talk about the city like that. So thank you for sharing that with us, Sindhu. And as the first female managing director of SAP Labs India, it's really no exaggeration, Sindhu, to say that you're an important role model and an inspiration for many people in technology and not just for women. So I'd like to know who inspired your own dreams while growing up and starting out on your career? Yeah, so if you ask me, uh, Lizzie, who fueled my dreams and aspirations, I'll have to give a lot of that credit to my my parents um, because I've been very fortunate to have been raised by very strong, 
um, very value-oriented parents who've always encouraged me to to pursue a highly rewarding career. They always taught me the importance of hard work. Um, I also grew up with two brothers, and I have to say, growing up, my parents had the same expectations from me as they had uh, from both my brothers. Now, you might wonder why I call this out. I do call this out because uh, in, in a lot of Indian families, um, a girl's or a daughter's dreams are most often overshadowed by her brother's dreams and aspirations. And uh, we can maybe attribute this to sometimes the very patriarchal mindsets that exist in cultures. So therefore, now looking back, I can absolutely say that I was very fortunate that I never experienced any of that at home uh, while growing up. Uh, my brothers and me, we were tr treated alike. Uh, we were provided uh, equal opportunities, equal encouragement, um, and an equal voice, right? I was never told not to dream or not to have career ambitions. Uh, both my parents were great role models because they were working professionals themselves, worked very hard, and they always encouraged me to pursue also a very rewarding career. Uh, but yes, I have to also say when it came to choosing a career, I, my dad was very keen on me studying medicine. Um, this is also very common in India back then, right? Uh, many Indian parents do that. Uh, but I was always uh, somehow more inclined towards technology. I used to always find it uh, really very, very cool. And the more I read about technology in those days, uh, the more I was attracted towards it. And also the opportunities it opened up uh, for mankind was so, so immense. And I started to understand the potential technology has uh, to shape society and the world in general. Um, so I'd say my dad had to eventually budge. And he did support my decision to uh, to uh, study computer science uh, engineering back then. And in those days, um, Lizzie, as you know, like many of uh, my, my peers, I was in awe of how Steve Jobs was actually in the process of transforming um, the, the modern world with technology that, uh, that Apple was uh, building, right? And also his whole approach to technology and also his unwavering belief in, in technology innovations um, helping to transform hum humanity had also such a huge profound impact on, on shaping me as a technology leader. And uh, it continues to inspire me every single day. So I'd say, yes, Steve Jobs has been a, a huge, huge influence in my technology journey. And now uh, looking back, my decision to choose technology over medicine, I think did me real good. So it gave me such a huge opportunity uh, to be part of this glorious company for over two decades. Wonderful. Thank you, Sindhu. And for listeners then at the beginning of their working lives, do you think it's enough to have a passion for technology? Is that enough to build a career in IT in itself? I've been wondering here about the importance of role models, as you say, and mentors in the tech industry. And to what degree perhaps we're still defined or perhaps limited by gender stereotypes? What do you think? Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, I do think passion is definitely a, a good fuel to start off, right? Uh, and it's impossible, if you ask me, to build a successful career if you're not passionate about what you're doing. Uh, 22 years into my career, I'm still very passionate about technology and the problems we can solve for humanity. Uh, so yes, uh, absolutely, passion will definitely give you a, a great start. 
But what is also most important um, in your early years is to stay persistent in your efforts. And uh, I say this to a lot of the young engineers I have the opportunity to interact with at work, um, because it's not every day that you get a chance to change the world. And, and when you do get that, I'd say really hop on the ride and, and help revolutionize the world around you. And uh, this will not happen in a single day or with every single project. We are all uh, bound to fail multiple times, but it's important that we should not um, dis uh, feel discouraged or it's important that we do not lose focus from the bigger picture. And of course, you'll always find uh, guides, you'll find mentors who will help you uh, with, the, with your journey. And uh, we all love our mentors, don't we? Uh, I mean, we go to them for advice, career advice. Sometimes it's just also personal advice because we we admire them, we emulate them, we respect them, we, we trust them as individuals whom we can seek advice. And uh, many times when we have a mentor, um, we also are looking at them for a sense of validation uh, from some key important milestones, key decisions uh, that we are making in our lives. And uh, this obviously has a direct impact also on your career path and also on the choices uh, that you make. Therefore, I think it's very important to also find good mentors and who will encourage you, uh, who will also motivate you at different steps uh, along your journey. And uh, those of us who have found good mentors are indeed uh, quite fortunate, I have to say. And we have to be grateful to our mentors. But on the other hand, I also want to um, um, raise the point, right, that we are also equally responsible for the choices we make. And so it's also important that we need to think critically about whatever advice or suggestion we get from our mentors, because mentors are also human beings, right? They're also um, framed by the journey that they are going through. So I believe that we should not go with uh, blinders on when you follow a recommendation or a suggestion, but really spend time for yourself. You know um, the journey that you're going through. So think through and then take decisions also based on your self-assessment and not just based out of uh, all the external factors or your influencers. That's wonderful advice as well. And I, I really like it and it resonates with me as well when you say the importance of having a mentor and being grateful to have an opportunity to have that sounding board and to really have a positive role model, but also being very much in tune with what's important to ourselves as well. So what dreams and aspirations we have and really being quite resilient and sticking with that and really pursuing that goal, come what may, and really staying with it when the times get tough, I guess, too, as well. And Cindy, what in your experience are some of the challenges that women face when building careers in the tech industry? And how can we encourage more women to pursue a career in tech? Yeah, Lizzie, so when you look back at history, right? So we have a um, lot of leading figures like uh, Madame Mary Curie, who was the only person to have won a double Nobel Prize in physics and chemistry, and that too in the early 1900s. Now, over a century and countless groundbreaking innovations later, um, the persisting gender gap in technology, or more widely, the, the STEM field, continues to remain a matter of grave concern. Now, this is a matter of concern because, why? Because it's proven, and, it's, and I think there's enough studies out there and uh, reports and really smart people who have analyzed the data, and it's 
clearly proven that a very diverse workforce clearly makes us smarter, makes our organization smarter, makes society smarter. And if you just look at also the 2020 McKinsey report, um, states clearly that diverse companies perform better, they hire better talent and have a lot more engaged workforce. And they're also able to retain their workforce better than organizations that do not focus on uh, diversity and inclusion. But, but despite all of this, it's still a bitter reality, like I said, that women still remain widely underrepresented in IT roles. Now, to understand this better, I'd say it is very important to also identify some of the factors that contribute to this very um, uh, disturbing trend and also deter women from pursuing a career in, in STEM. Firstly, if I just reflect in um, in some of countries like developing countries like India, particularly if you go into the rural areas, uh, you'll see that girls and young women do not have access to, to quality education. And also they do not have that necessary guidance to also help them pursue a career in advanced fields like, like STEM. And what is another um, challenge is there's not enough role models for a lot of the girls to look up and take inspiration from when it comes to STEM-related careers. And besides that, what is also uh, important to note is that women who do join careers in STEM, we know, and, it, and I don't want to generalize, but um, there is still a lot of discrimination at the workplace, which is, um, if you just look at the industry overall, it's predominantly male-oriented in our industry. And when I talk about discrimination, this can be in the form of pay, it can be in the form of opportunities, it can be in the form of respect, it can be in the form of treatment at work and many more. And, um, and to add to all this, another important factor is the family and kind of the peer pressure, which also discourages many women from, from pursuing a highly rewarding career in STEM. So taking into consideration uh, the demands of, of the different roles also a woman is expected to play, be it um, of, a, of a mother, a daughter, a wife, sometimes a daughter-in-law, a mentor, we talked about manager, whatever be it, right? I mean, all these different roles. I think it's important that uh, we as responsible and inclusive organization, not just put the onus on women themselves to, to bring the best versions of themselves to work, Instead, it's equally important that we take responsibility to also create the right environment uh, for them where um, every woman feels encouraged, feels motivated every day at work, and also they receive the necessary guidance, the necessary support that helps them to deliver at, at their best. Now, when we talk about creating the right environment, of course, it consists of uh, certain aspects which include many of the points that I mentioned earlier, like pay equity, very important, right? Or flexible work options, um, equal opportunities, um, giving them opportunities for leadership development, mentoring, we talked about that as well. All this become extremely important. And fortunately, Lizzie, uh, we know at SAP, we make very conscious and sustained efforts on all these fronts with very comprehensive policies and and daily practices. For instance, we take great pride in the fact that SAP is an equal pay and an equal opportunity organization. Uh, we've adopted the equal pay for equal work policy, and we therefore proactively promote pay transparency, which I believe also strengthens the trust between our female colleagues 
and the organization, really driving each of us to deliver at our best. So long story short, um, I'd say effective intervention is needed on the part of organizations and uh, uh, more than just relying on individuals to, to, to perform at their best. And this is so much needed to foster a truly diverse, a very inclusive workplace where, like I said, women feel comfortable and feel empowered to come to the workplace every single day and also contribute uh, to their organization's uh, growing trajectory. And now, I mean, Lizzie, not to forget, right, with physical locations becoming irrelevant, I think it's such an exciting time for women to really chase their dreams, uh, break that glass ceiling if you believe it exists, right, and emerge as truly powerful women. Yeah, a lot of potential there as well. And as you said, it's a very exciting time. It's challenging right now, but in the challenge, there's also opportunities as well that we can grasp. And I think it's this additional flexibility. But I do know from colleagues, it's very difficult with the different hats you have to have on, with the different responsibilities and roles that we can all identify with, I think. What I wanted to ask you, Sindhu, as well, is if you could share some practical tips for women already in STEM careers and leadership roles, and also maybe tips and advice for women who want to become the next generation of female leaders. What's your advice? What really stops women from taking up leadership roles is um, is sometimes all these commitments that they have, right? And commitments to engagements in your personal side of the house. And and I believe, like I said before, as as families and organizations, if you're able to create a comfortable environment for women where she can really chase both her professional and personal goals with equal ease, I think that that is important uh, and that will encourage a lot of women. And hopefully, we'll also see a lot of many more women leaders around us. And to your specific question about management tips for women in leadership roles, uh, I always um, use this tip, uh, which I've um, which I've also um, learned from from a good friend of mine, and particularly when when you have this question on on this crossroads of hey how do I juggle between my personal and uh, professional lives and whenever I find myself in in these kind of difficult situations I always use this analogy of this crystal ball versus rubber ball uh, analogy that a dear friend of mine introduced me to so how does it work right so at work or in personal life. Yes, we are absolutely right. We talked about the different roles we take on. So you constantly juggle a lot of balls. And therefore, it becomes very important that at any point in time, you're able to identify what ball you're juggling at that point in time. Is it a crystal ball or a rubber ball? Now, if <laughs> right, because if you drop the rubber ball, it, it can come back. It's fine. But if you drop a crystal ball, it will shatter, right? So you have to be smart enough at that point in time, which ball are you juggling, right? It can be in your personal side or in your professional side, but make sure that you don't drop the crystal balls and make sure at what time, which is your crystal ball and make sure that um, you gauge through these lens. <laughs> I've never heard that before, but that is just amazing. We all have this kind of visual of us juggling balls, keeping plates spinning, but to have the rubber ball and the crystal ball, that, that's incredible. Yeah, that analogy always works and puts things into perspective, I think. And like I said, um, when you gauge all your opportunities or tasks that come your way, uh, no matter from which uh, side you come, use that to to prioritize, right? And so the next time when you get the question, can women have it all? As long as you know how you juggle, 
Yeah, of course. Why not? And a crystal ball is, of course, very, very precious. And I think the time we have as well is very, very precious. And the time we have is limited, right? So I know you're an expert as well when it comes to time management. So can you give us any tips and tricks there as how we can really optimize our time and really keep these rubber balls going as much as we can by optimizing time management? What do you suggest there? Yeah, for me, what what always has worked is really in a day prioritized what are your must uh, uh, have uh, done uh, goals, right? And really make sure that you take time. Sometimes it's the most difficult task that's on top of your of your list, but you have to make time and you have to get done with that. And once you're done with that, you know you kind of feel a lot more relieved to deal deal with everything else that's coming up. Uh, as as in the rest of the day, but always prioritize because sometimes again, depending on the balls you're juggling, right? You, it goes up and down and comes back again. Uh, so I'd say as long as you get through with the most important ones and work towards that, the rest you'll be able to handle. Excellent advice. Thank you, Cindy. I'd like to, <laughs> to talk back about Germany and India. And you moved to SAP headquarters in Valdorf, Germany. It was initially a plan to stay for two years and it turned into... 18, so considerably longer. So I wanted to ask you, what was your own personal experience of moving to a foreign country to live and work? Can you tell us a little bit about your life experience there? Yeah, that's true. Initially, when uh, uh, when we planned to to move it, and when I say we, it was my husband and me, uh, we decided it's it's just going to be two, for two years. And uh, it's it's interesting, right? Now that when when you look back at the conversation that I had with my uh, husband back then, we ended up spending what close to two two decades there. And uh, Lizzie, my husband also works for SAP. So back then it was him who had received an opportunity to move to the headquarters part of his role. And um, when we discussed the opportunity, um, I, I still remember this sense of bafflement because so many thoughts going on because if at all I wanted to move out of India back then, I always wanted to move to the US, right? So uh, Germany was never on on the charts. And I still remember asking him, why Germany? Uh, we don't know the place, uh, the language, the people. Um, there were so many questions, I have to say, and I was like um, really not prepared for it back then. Um, but we did move. And I also uh, was fortunate to, to get a transfer. So uh, again, back then, again, SAP, supported me so it was it was uh, it was great and within a couple of years of working at the headquarters with diverse teams and multiple products i have to say i realized that this was one of the best decisions i've made um because the the move to germany gave me so much exposure very early on in my career right and uh, over the next few years after moving there i also had the opportunity to uh, hold several strategic and leadership positions across uh, our portfolio beat in, in leading the integration suite or when we build the whole solution for the financial services network, building out our portfolio on IoT or process orchestration, or even for that matter, uh, driving the intelligent enterprise program uh, at SAP. And um, if, you, if I just look back and just reflect on whether any challenges Absolutely, yes. And what strikes out very distinctly uh, from back then uh, was language, right? And, um, and and I still remember during the initial years, uh, while conversing at the workplace was never a challenge because everyone was so kind to speak in English. But when it came to a lot more of the 
informal conversations like a coffee economy or you're meeting somebody for lunch i really could not contribute to those easy uh, free flowing conversations which is so much needed like you know to break the ice between you and your colleagues and form those very strong powerful bonds so i i remember very early on i took a resolve to learn german and i did this uh, in, indeed I, i mean there were german classes yes but very limited but most of my german was learned uh, spending um or 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 uh, watching a german television at home right that really helped me and i think this really was um, very um, key to also help us settle into the overall german social fabric which i was so so important for me and because it was it was also clear that if we do this we have to do it properly right and just like that um, what close to two decades passed by like you said yes uh, two years turned into a long 18 years both my girls were born in germany um, and when i look back i only have very fond memories of germany and uh, germany still continues to be home uh, so our move back um, also to bangalore in 2019 was was not really planned right it it just happened that the executive board was uh, looking for someone to lead uh, their sap labs here in india and at that point in time and uh, fortunately they thought that i would be a good candidate <laughs> for the role so when i was told about this i knew that this would also mean a significant learning curve uh, because i was of course returning back to india after almost uh, spending 18 years in in germany and of course your your outlook in life also changes and a lot of my thoughts are you can say having a very german outlook to it so um i still remember the discussion then in 2019 discussing with the family and uh, re- the relocation to india of course um you can imagine the girls had a very tough time saying goodbye to their school friends but yes everything eventually worked out well and now it's uh, going to be 2 years that i'm back in the city where i was born and it definitely looks different like i said but the pulse still remains the same and uh, very very grateful to be back here Fantastic. No, thank you for telling us that story. And I'm always very interested because I'm an expat too. I grew up in the UK. Um, I've also lived in Germany for almost 20 years now. Time passes so quickly, as you know as well. And um, it's a blessing, I think, in many ways to feel at home in two countries. On a good day, you feel you have two homes. On a bad day, you feel you like you don't know where you truly belong. So, Cindy, I was pleased to hear that you and your family naturally feel at home in the two countries, and particularly your daughters as well. So, because you had the experience of living and working in both India and Germany, I wanted to ask you what are the, some of the similarities and differences between these countries when it comes to the topics of equality and inclusion? What have you observed and experienced there? Yeah, Lizzie, like you rightly said, right? And uh, I think we are all fortunate when we have that exposure. Uh, to have the best of both worlds like you said right and um, i have to say if i look back growing up in india i clearly imbibed this can do attitude right uh, that that i clearly uh, that that's something which has been with me right from childhood which has given me the confidence to truly believe in myself and take on any challenges uh, because in india there's so many challenges that you grow up with right so um whereas spending so much time in germany i learned to take a a very structured approach to also uh, achieving things achieving desired goals and my time in germany really taught me to think through decisions uh, and also pushed me to have a 
kind of a 360 degree view on on all aspects before kind of going out there and committing to something so i i think it's it's a combination of both or the balance of both of this can do attitude combined with having a structured approach has really helped me uh, to make my decisions and really once i take those decisions to own it and completely um, work hard towards delivering on it and um, talking about differences and i mean of course when you look at the work cultures across uh, the countries right and in germany you, i've seen uh, clearly uh, my colleagues treating work as work then they come on time they leave on time and get back to their personal life whereas in india i it's really work takes first priority right where <laughs> um, i i believe that balance is so much uh, important or kind of that interweaving i'd always say it's an interweaving uh, across both because both are uh, important or if i just look at a couple of other things like um, in india you quickly become friends with your colleagues right it's just you break the ice very quickly which i think can be very positive in a, in an office experience because you make people feel immediately welcome comfortable at their workplace um in the west i feel people maintain that very professional relationship at work which of course has its uh, own positives um and it really uh, you have to know that right and you 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 take time to to build those relationships uh with uh, colleagues at work and turn and and they become friends and then that those friendships are for lifetime right absolutely yes uh, it takes time but once you uh, invest time then those are uh, doesn't matter where you live in the world they're always your friends so yeah you you asked me about diversity and inclusion uh, so i'm very fortunate to have worked in uh, with very diverse teams at the headquarters in germany and the diversity aspect of an individual's workplace of course adds to the whole work experience and also um, i clearly believe that this exposes one to so many different uh, perspectives and i think um, we already um, mentioned it earlier right diversity makes us smarter and i'm clearly of that belief that it makes us uh, also a lot more receptive to new ideas new perspectives and i'm trying to emulate the same here at our labs in your office as well because while india is a country that that celebrates diversity and truly so because there's probably no other country in the world with so many different languages uh, so many different faiths and and such a variety of culture right and as a nation we are truly blessed as well in that sense that this is in fact a uh, part of of the core right but when it comes to gender diversity at the workplace i have to say we still have to make significant strides towards a much more inclusive work uh, culture and um, so when i took office at labs india back in 2019 this was also one of the goals that i set up for myself but also for the organization and i'm so proud that our leadership team takes a lot of conscious effort to ensure that everyone gets the same opportunities the same treatment uh and the same respect irrespective of their gender or background uh in fact uh, labs india has been ranked among the best places to work in india exactly because of that right owing to this equal opportunity culture that we that we thrive on that's fantastic and something to be very very proud of as well so if we stay with the spotlight on sap labs india can you talk us through some of the key initiatives at sap in place when it comes to promoting equal opportunities and encouraging women to pursue their careers in technology 
Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So at, at Labs India, if you just look at um, what we are passionate about, uh, Lizzie, and uh, and I'm I'm talking for the fourteen thousand strong family that we have here at SAP in India. Uh, I think one thing that that goes across um, and across teams, across LOBs, you it's it's the commitment that you have from people to also give back. Uh, to the community, right? And uh, I want to call out this award-winning digital literacy initiative that we have called Code Unity. And uh, the Code Unity was created uh, to propel uh, the whole topic of digital inclusion in the country. And that fits also nicely with uh, what we stand for as 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 an organization, um, because in terms of the skills that our people bring to the table to kind of uh, close their digital divide uh, in India, and if you just look at um, uh, what we've accomplished through Code Unity, uh, SAP in India has trained over a million children across 14 states on our digital curriculum. And um, when we talk about women in the workplace, and we know that, and I mentioned it earlier on, when we talk about particularly women in, in those areas of the society that uh, need support, uh, we launched the Girls Power Tech Initiative to really inspire young girls from the weaker socioeconomic backgrounds to take up, like I said, uh, a career in STEM. And here we are also partnering with our own customers like Mahindra and Mahindra. Um, here we've launched Project Nanhikali uh, to, to promote quality education and digital access to underprivileged uh, girl children. And we also, uh, together with the government of India, we've signed a statement of in, uh, intent uh, with the Atal Innovation Mission at uh, Niti Ayog. Uh, which where the focus is really about uh, adopting also what we call as um, utter tinkering labs. And uh, this is really the, the idea is all about building a very solid foundation in science, in mathematics, in electronics, uh, in subjects like mechatronics, building those digital skills, the computer literacy. And it's going back to the school students, right? Because we want to give them um, access to education and access to um, these uh, um, very specific digital skills because they can then um, cultivate a spirit of innovation, spirit of curiosity that will help them. And we've also partnered with a lot of the industry bodies like NASCOM um, to, to also build out these kind of future skills that are so much needed in India because there's a lot of, um, of course, skilling needs, but also reskilling and also upskilling of the industry workforce that's needed um, because we're talking about what two million professionals out there and also uh, potential employee employees and also students that need to be upskilled over the next years and recently we also initiated um, and particularly in these COVID times and given that a lot of the schools had to uh, resort to online education right of course uh, children from families where they can afford laptops and all that could continue that without any disruption. But that was not the case for so many um, young children. And so we initiated also a laptop donation where we, we donated a lot of the uh, pre-owned laptops to government-run schools in different Indian cities. And so many thousands of students and lots of teachers are able to benefit from this initiative as there is still this like I said, a major section of the Indian society who can't afford this basic infrastructure for their kids. So at Labs India, if you ask me, we go beyond gender differences and really try to bring in how we can clip those 
uh, economic and infrastructure differences that we see in our society here, right? And see in our own unique ways how we can help create a very inclusive society where talent and skills can outshine uh, everything else. Absolutely. And it's giving back to the younger generation and just thinking that not everyone has the resources to have the the equipment that they need at home to continue with homeschooling. It's giving young people the best possible start in life. And um, that's really wonderful. I think that's the best part about uh, my my job, Lissy. Having having got this opportunity to give back to the place that I grew up, uh, that's what keeps me going day in, day out. So, Sindhu, please can we conclude today's episode with your closing sentiment for us? Sure, Lizzie. I mean, time has flown talking to you today. Um, but I have to say, we, we live, we're living in, in very interesting times today, right? I mean, the COVID uh, situation in India is still raging. I mean, we are seeing the second wave. But at the same time, uh, COVID has truly transformed the way we all function and be it at work or be it in our personal space. And it's really up to us, like we talked about earlier, how we can leverage this unique opportunity to also chart out our growth journey by but really building upon all these different possibilities now the pandemic has thrown on us. So definitely, I'd say interesting times ahead, Lizzie. And like I always say, interesting times also result in equally interesting opportunities. Uh, so with that, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, for all our uh, listeners today, please stay safe and stay healthy. That's what is most important. Take care. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Open SAP Invites Thought Leaders with Sindhu Gangadaran. I'd also like to thank our sound engineer, Miguel Caroli. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, and leave a review. And also be sure to check out OpenSAP's free learning offering of massive open online courses, microlearnings, and podcasts on OpenSAP.com. Don't miss your next invite. Subscribe now.